Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. This is Cooking Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Alright. Alright? You're good, mate. I'm good. A little week off? Well, not really. I mean, been in here grafting, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, off but the show. It's been nice. It's been nice. It's been a sort of back to back weeks in the bubble. And nice to come into the office before another back to back week. Uh, gutted I can't be at Jacobs Rosado. Had to do the online press conference the other day, which is quite frustrating, but gonna be making my way out to America finally for Canelo against Smith and Triple G. So, um, I haven't been to America since February. And if you had said to me last year, you are not gonna be going to America during February and December, I would have said, you're having a bubble, son. So, bubble? Yeah. So you did that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, because of the bubble yeah, and that, good. it's good. Yeah, um, yeah so, all good, literally, Jacobs Rosado this week, Billy Joe Saunders next week, AJ the week after, Golovkin the week after, and Canelo the day after. Also we've got a big show in Italy that week as well. So mad finish, isn't it? Mad finish. Hey. Edward, let's talk about uh Jacobs and Rosado. Mm. Um well we know what Rosado is, he's just Yeah, it's a good never involved in a dull fight. Yeah, I think that a lot of people want to see Danny Jacobs step up and fight for a world championship at 168, which is pending. But I thought this was a good fight. Plenty of beef between them, you know, and I'm not saying that always makes a great fight, but I like it. Um, and I think it's a good fight for Danny coming off the Chavez fight to make a statement, even though Freddie Roach and Gabe Rosado and, and the team don't think they will. But I do expect Danny Jacobs to win that fight and, and then move on and try and challenge for a version of the championship at 168. Could you run through who else is on the card? Yeah, it's a good card actually. You've got a really good lightweight fight between Emmanuel Tago and Mason Menard. Um, Nikita Abarbi's got a big step up. Uh, Majidov has got a great fight as well against uh, I think a kid who's 9-0. He's 2-0 and I think he needs to make a statement. I think he's going to be a big player in the heavyweight division. And then a really good fight for Danny Arjulusnov against former unified champion uh, Julius Ndongo's big step up for Danny R. I actually think that it's taken Danny R a little bit of time to find his feet in the pro ranks and I think he's found it. I honestly believe that Yulusinov will win a world championship at 147 pounds and I think he will he'll show that on Friday, but after beating Ndongo, and I'm not saying Ndongo is Spence and Garcia and all these guys, but I'm willing after this fight to put Yulusinov in with whoever because I believe the better the opposition, the better he will perform. And I really think he's finding his feet now as a pro. He's you know, he's an exceptional talent, Olympic gold medalist and when I went to see AJ last week, because I went to see AJ and I spoke to him on the phone earlier as well. Um, no. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to Rob McCracken about you loosening up and he said, Ed, he's, he's outstanding. And honestly, I'm, what, I'm, why isn't it quite click for Because him I think so he's had a mixture of trainers. You know, he started on, off with uh, John David Jackson, uh, he had Corey Spinks, he had a lot of different guys. And his dad, who was sort of the Kazakhstan boxing coach, was also in the corner. And I think on one hand, you've got people like John David Jackson telling him to sit down in shots, and that's what we wanted to see. 
you know, and try and knock people out and work well on the inside. And then you've got the dad saying, no, 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 just, just outbox them. Because no one can touch him if he boxes. But we don't want to see that. We want to see excitement. And all the footage I've seen of him from Delray Boxing Club sparring in his camp is him sitting in a pocket, is him setting his feet and unloading. And sometimes when they make that transition from the amateur to, to the pro game, it just takes them some time to sort of, you know, they move around a lot in the amateurs, it's in and out, it's point scoring. And the pro game's totally different, not just in terms of what you need to make it as a fighter, but what we need for entertainment. You know, Yelusinov's been hot and cold as a pro. Started off really hot, then went cold, then has been really hot the last couple of fights. And I think that's going to keep going. And I, honestly, I'm not afraid to put him in with anyone at 147 pounds. He can hold his own against all these guys now. And I think I think he's going to be he's surprised a lot of people with how good he is. I just want to kind of move back now to last weekend, mm. um, starting with with Conor Ben. Um, we know obviously Josh Kelly's fight with David Abenissian mm. should be taking place on the 23rd or 30th yep. of January, but it comes through that fight, and it is it because it is a difficult fight mm. for Josh. But he comes through that fight. Is there any reason why that fight just can't be made? No, right I mean after? I think it's building perfectly, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's funny, you know, a year ago, a bit more, a lot of people were saying that was a mismatch. And I must admit, probably not a year ago, but maybe a year and a half, two years ago, the thought of Connor fighting Josh Kelly, I was thinking, blimey, got a long way to go. Now, that's a great fight. You know, it's a pick and fight. I know Josh and Adam think they win comfortably. Tony and Connor Ben think they, they can win that fight. You know, Josh has got all the amateur pedigree, the style. Conor Ben is improving every single day. And he passed the test against Formella. A few people said, oh, you know, Formella didn't look as good as I thought. He's a quality fighter. Don't worry about that. But with all respect to Josh Kelly, he does have the sterner test in front of him in David Avenesian. I mean, Avenesian is a world-class welterweight. A world-class welterweight. He's strong. He can punch. You know, he won't stop coming forward. He's European champion already. This this guy, this is a proper fight. So for Josh Kelly, not that he has to prove himself to fight Conor Ben, you could make that fight now. But the European Championship and another strong win by Conor Ben early next year, all of a sudden, that fight becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's a great fight. And everybody's on board. You know, that's it's really what we're all working towards. But the only thing that can stop it is someone slipping up on the way. So you've got to be careful, especially when you're fighting the likes of Avenesian and Connor will probably fight, I don't know, Granados or Sammy Vargas. And they're, they're all tough fights now. So um, I'm just enjoying that moment when the young prospects, you just, you let them free. You know, Ben did it against Formella. Kelly's now fighting Avenesian. And, and now anything can happen. And, and when we're close to that. We have a lot of other young fighters. Anthony Fowler, you know, we're ready to let him go free and take the big plunge. Um, Joe Caldina, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys, Boatsy, they're all ready now to take that big that big step into the big wide world and see if you're ready to fly. Um, Tom Little and Alan Babbage, we mm. talked about Tom Little first, he uh, said this week that we won't see Tom in a, in a boxing ring again, uh, the right decision in your opinion? Yeah, I think so, because I think Tom could come back and win fights at, um, domestic level in the UK but you know he you don't want to become a journeyman you know someone that gets sent in to sort of season these young prospects that are very good I mean he's had it tough and he? he's boxed Hergovic, Dubois, Majidov, Babic and to be fair to Tom all, all you can ever do 
in life is do your best and be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I couldn't have done any more. He couldn't have done any more in that fight. But the reality is, he ain't good enough. You know? And, and that's, that's sport. If you're not good enough, you don't win. You can put the effort in, you can put your heart and soul in it, but ultimately it's about quality and about levels. And he wasn't good enough to beat Babbage. Not that mean he ain't a good fighter, but he's not good enough to mix with you know, a, a very good heavyweight coming through, like Dubois, like Hergovic. And there's no disgrace in that, by the way. But, you know, the differences in the Dubois and Majidov and, and Hergovic fight, he probably didn't have much of a camp. He probably didn't think he could win. So, but in this fight, he gave it everything and he still come up short. But that's okay. You can, you can handle that. You should be able to handle that in life if you've given it everything, but you've come up short. So, wish him all the best. He's a great lad. Fucking hilarious geezer. Hilarious geezer. He was brilliant in the bubble last week. And I think talks talks like, you know, talks the greatest game ever. And he believed he was going to win mm. against Babbage. But he, like I said, he just wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough to win that fight. And that's okay. You know, he can hold his head up high and say, well, I gave it everything. And on we go with life. I think when, every, when anybody leaves the sport, some leave it in all kinds of different shapes. You know, some leave it um, with physical... Injuries could be hands, could be knees, could be, you know, unfortunately have suffered some kind of damage in a fight. Some leave it financially secure, some leave, people leave it without enough money. And yeah, you go into the big wide world and it's quite scary, I think, when people walk away from boxing. I think that's why people suffer. I don't think Tom will suffer because I think, although he does come across like a clown sometimes, I think he's head screwed up. And I think he's, you know, he, he'll be just fine. Um, but it's it's very scary when you leave the world of boxing because it's all you know. You know? Who's the one person that's actually left over the last five years on a high? Because everyone I can think of. Tony Bowie, Darren Barker, Anthony Crawler. When I say on a high, I mean in like not suffering a defeat in their oh, final fight. But, but generally, you, you only retire when you get beat. You know, when you well, keep winning, it's very unusual. Apart from Carl Frotch. Yeah, yeah Frotch did it. And listen, actually, Frotch should have fought Chavez mm. in Vegas. That was his big dream to do it. But you have to respect the decision because he said, I don't want to fight. He wasn't motivated to fight anymore. So Carl made the right decision. Mm. You know, Tony Bellew, he was like that about fighting Usyk, to be honest with you. I think he could have walked away, but he also thought, fuck, I can fight for the undisputed championship of the world. And I believe I can beat this guy and become undisputed. So you can't knock him for trying to achieve no. that. That's everything. With Crawler, Crawler retired on a defeat, you know, but it was a defeat that showed him that he didn't have it anymore. You know, Scott Quigg, he retired on a defeat. Yeah. Um, George Groves, defied on a, on a defeat. De James DeGaulle. De yeah. But mostly you do, it's very unusual in boxing that so someone... So cr Frotch credit for Yeah, because he, he, left, just, yeah. He, he left millions on the table and yeah. he, he would have smashed Chavez everywhere. Um, but when the fire goes out, that's what we said about Dave Allen the other week. You know, Dave messaged me to fight Babbage on Saturday. I said, no, at, I, you know, I haven't even replied. I don't want to talk to him about it. It's a no. When we, when we have that frank kind of conversation, when you know, you know, right? And when you have that kind of frank conversation with someone that says, I don't want to get punched anymore. I'm not enjoying it. I don't think I'm as tough as I once was. I don't think I hold a shot as well as I once did. Time to go, right? And I know there's a chance to make money in that fight, but as much whatever you think of me, not on my watch, right? Because 
I can't do it. My, my credibility, which sometimes gets shot down, is, is, is in play when I tell you, this guy should retire now. This guy I don't like getting it anymore. This you know, and then I'll just go and do a fight with Babbage. And he goes and gets stopped in two or three rounds. Could, you know, could get hurt. Listen, he might win the fight, but it's just purely for money. And I don't knock fighters for taking fight for fights for money. It's fucking the most dangerous sport in the world. That's why the majority of reason and probably the principal reason these guys are in the sport is to earn their living. But not when you have that frank conversation with someone. So how do they convince you otherwise? Say in six months' time, if they've had a conversation with someone, listen, I'm in a completely different space now, but how do they then convince you to work with them again after what's going on? I don't know. I mean, look, it can happen. You know, Dave could um, end up... Hello? Just picking this back up, mm. Yeah, it, it can happen. I mean, look, things change, people change, their mindsets change. But you can't have that conversation and then a week later say, get me a fight, because it just, you know, it's not right. And, you know, if, if you're talking about the position with Dave Allen, maybe in a year's time he wants to fight again and he's fit and he's healthy and his mind's right. And, you know, that, that's a conversation to be had. But, you know, I just, I just want Dave to be happy. I want him to fight because, of course, listen, it's always tempting. You know, Dave made great money, but still he could do with a few more quid. And he's thinking, fucking hell, I could have that fight there. Babbage, that's a lot of money. And, you know, no, I'm not really up for it or 100%, but I could, that's not right for me. You know? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, Dave should just chill out now, get Christmas out of the way, and then see what 2021 brings. And I'm sure it'll bring a lot for him. Right, this is the government issue section of IFL TV. Oh, yes, Stepping up. Um, first of all, your open letter. Mm. I don't know the name of the MP, but you write... Nigel Huddleston, Oliver Dowden. Okay, yeah. so where, where, where are the MPs for? The, the, the Sports Minister, sports the Deputy Minister. Sports okay. Minister for the British Government. So, you were... This was in reference to the £300 million Yeah, I just felt that... Survival package. Like, I had a good chat with bo uh, England Boxing, who, you know, they're always banging their head against a brick wall. And I just felt that with my platform... I could make our voice heard in boxing. I think there's not one person in boxing that does not support this. And I was trying to do something about it. You know, I don't know whether it will help. I mean, it's not gonna do any harm, but there seems to be good momentum. There's things happening behind the scenes. Got another call with England Boxing this week. Um, I just feel that it's ridiculous how time and time again, boxing gets denied funding, whether that's at a British government, national or a local council level, right? You know the stories of fighters. You know the work that these clubs do in the community. You know the type of people that are in these gyms and what it's doing for them. So I just wrote to him and I said, even if you don't, like, and it's not necessarily their fault that they don't understand the work that these clubs do for the community. I mean, you'd hope that they would, but certainly local councillors, I believe, do know. But even if you're not a boxing fan, even if you don't understand, just understand the boxes that it ticks for you, the British government. It tackles obesity. It reduces mental health, mental you know, problems or improves mental health. It reduces gun and gang crime, knife crime, unquestionably. 
But most of all, it instills discipline and respect and manners into the next generation. So when you weigh that up, and this isn't about supporting boxing at the elite level, yeah, it ain't been easy for anybody to, to keep the sport going with no crowds, but we're not asking for money. Small hall club, I mean, I think the small hall shows have got more of a case to ask for funding, but they're not asking for funding. This is about the community. This isn't about trying to make sure that we can develop world champions. Of course, that can happen naturally. This is about the role that boxing clubs play within the community and what it does for the younger generation. And I feel, I fear that the younger generation is on a downward slide to physical, mental, emotional oblivion. And I believe boxing can save them and change that. And there's not one fighter you'd ever speak to that wouldn't say either, boxing saved my life, how many times have you heard that? And boxing changed my life. And again, you've only got to go into these clubs. You know when you go down Wickford or wherever, bit of Ricky, you know, it's full of tearaways, isn't it? You know where they'd be without boxing. They'd be fucking selling drugs or sitting on steep corners or stabbing someone. So we have such a problem with the youth in this country. So much lack of discipline. So much lack of direction. So much lack of manners and understanding. Sport teaches you about winning, about losing, about respect. And no sport teaches you better than boxing. So all sport is great, right? Rugby union, 135 million. Great sport. Horse racing, love it. Love a little trip to Ascot once a year. 40 bags. Well, not 40 bags, 40 mil. Motorsport, 6 million. Which of those sports do anything for the community, anything for society, and anything for the next generation? Rugby, okay, I'm sure, you know, bringing young kids through playing rugby. Again, a tough sport that teaches you discipline and respect. But nothing in inner city areas that can help motivate and, and incentivize a young, the young generation to change their lives, like boxing. Boxing isn't about entering a gym and becoming a world champion. Boxing is about putting a regimental lifestyle in your life and in your mindset to go out and change and achieve. And that's what's so frustrating. Because if people knew, if, and again, I don't say blame Nigel Huddleston, Oliver Dowden, but if they really knew, if they took the time to educate themselves as they should, working as sports ministers to understand the role that boxing plays in the community, I promise you, they wouldn't even hesitate. They would not hesitate to help fund grassroots boxing. So I'm just trying to make them see it, hear it. If I can get in front of them, if I can have a conversation, if they can hear this, then it's gotta be good news for boxing because I promise you, these community clubs will die. We are creatures of habits, all right? This goes for all sport for kids. If all of a sudden we're playing sport daily, weekly, you know, we go to our clubs every week, we do this, and then for eight or nine months, that disappears out of your life. At the ages of 13, 15, 18, it goes. You know, I go boxing every Wednesday, boxing, boxing's cancelled, right? Because of the lockdown. Oh, okay, we're back open. Oh, the club's shut down. You're gone. There's no other local club to go. You just, you go and do something else. So you go and play another sport, or you lose a little bit of discipline and direction, and you go and get in trouble. These kids that are in these predicaments, that are in these gangs, that are using knives, that, you, know, you don't see kids in boxing clubs get into trouble, do you? 
you go down the Repton, you go down Lyon, you go down any of these clubs, even Whitford, those kids aren't getting into trouble. You know? So I feel really strongly about it and it, it, it really has frustrated me over the years that there is no help. But right now, when you see them giving out money for those sports, and by the way, those sports at the top levels, I mean, in rugby, it's going to the clubs. This is going to the community. So like I said, this is bigger than sport. And, and hopefully we can get some momentum, hopefully we can get in front of these people and hopefully those clubs can get some help. And if they don't, we'll continue to help where we can with a foundation. We did it the other day with another club and we, we're trying. AJ subsidises Finchley, you know, he puts a huge amount of money into that and he's working on other schemes as well. But this is a bigger problem, bigger problem. And it will never go away because all these clubs are funded locally. You know, they rely on donations, don't they? They rely on the um, volunteering of coaches who get paid nothing to go down and give their time. But most of them have local sponsors and local businesses that love boxing and they believe and they understand the role they play in the community. But now, sponsorship and local sponsorships, it's not as easy anymore because some businesses have been shut down, some businesses aren't doing as well. So they can't just be supporting local initiatives and sponsorships. So the government must do it. And when they're supporting the sports that they are and the initiatives they are, that's what frustrates me. If they didn't support any sports, you know, we'd still ask for it. But when you see the money going into specific sports and nothing going into grassroots boxing, that aggravates me. And we've spent a lot of time talking on this now. So I'll, I think I've got my point across. But you're talking about specifically grassroots as opposed to like... Like creeping into like the professional game with small only boxing. grassroots because I don't think you know I think boxing is never going to be yeah I just a PC enough for the government to get behind in that respect at grassroots uh, sorry at, at small hall level but there's no excuse at grassroots level with the role that it plays I don't think there can be any argument give me an argument that that should should deny community boxing clubs the opportunity of funding right now when the, when the amount of funding is going to those other sports. There's, there's no argument to be had. So let's try and get in front of them. Let's just keep the momentum going and let's keep supporting our local boxing clubs. Indeed, Edward. Um, Cam Smith mm. and Canelo. Uh, tickets were on sale. Yeah, we sold, I think it was like 8,000 in the first day in Texas you, yesterday. We set up for about 11,000, so virtually sold out already. Of course, we're in the Alamo Dome, which holds, blimey, 60 plus thousand. Um, we'd love more tickets to be released, but unfortunately, you know, we need the, the distancing in place and we need everything to be safe in there. So it's just great to see fans back. Um, of course, we've got Jacobs Rosado this weekend and a day before... Canelo Callum Smith is Triple G against Zeremeta in uh, in Florida and Hard Rock, so hopefully we can get some in there as well. Um, in regards to Callum Smith and Canelo, is there a rehydration clause in the contract? No. Okay. Is there an option to put that in at any point? Put what? In? Uh, a rehydration no. clause back in the contract. No. There, there isn't one. No. It was not. It was not requested by Canelo Alvarez. I'm not sure it would have been accepted. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, there was a stage when Canelo Alvarez was a small 168-pounder. But don't forget, his last fight was at 175 pounds. So I don't think Canelo Alvarez wants to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning on fight day and, and re-weigh. 
I don't think, you know, Callum is a massive 168 and he'll definitely be heavier than Canelo on the night. But I, I mean, don't, you know, don't sort of underestimate Canelo's size. I know he's much shorter, but he will want to rehydrate properly himself. And uh, it wasn't something that was requested. Okay. Is that have something to do with the fact that he's not involved with Golden Boy anymore? No, I just think that, I think if Canelo was bothered about a £10 rehydration, he would, he would ask for it. And, you know, maybe he doesn't want, you know, it would have to be reciprocal. It wouldn't be, you have to weigh in. We'd both have to weigh in. And I guess he doesn't want to weigh in. He wants his opportunity to rehydrate probably more than £10. Rematch clause? Yes. For Canelo? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Standard in all Standard. Canelo fights. Yes. Ne never been involved with a Canelo fight where there's no rematch clause. Um, and that goes for every major fighter. I mean, I know that, you know, Bob Arum, yesterday I was lying today, I'm telling the truth. Oh, I hate rematch clauses, they're a disgrace. And then obviously, Kel Brook had a rematch clause, or Crawford had a rematch clause against Brook. It's just, it's standard practice. You'd be misrepresenting your client if in, in, in those kind of circumstances, if you didn't have a rematch clause. When was the last time you were involved in a fight that, where the champion or the, the home fight had a fight of that magnitude that didn't have a rematch clause? Uh, I mean, when Vasily Lomachenko boxed Anthony Kroller, yeah. the deal nearly fell through because Aaron wouldn't accept the fight without a rematch clause. When Vasily Lomachenko fought Luke Campbell, the fight nearly fell through because uh, we said we didn't want a rematch clause and Aram said we must have a rematch clause. So this is, you know, the general basis of those conversations. No rematch clause. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, White Chisora. Usyk Chisora. There you go. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Usyk was yes. number one. I know there was no belt on the line. There was no interim world title or anything like that. But Usyk Chisora, no rematch calls. Mm -hmm. um, White Povetkin 2, no rematch calls. Uh, it's not the norm, is it? It's not the norm. What's not the norm? Not to have a rematch clause. Not when there's a title on the line, yeah. a valuable title on the line, yeah. or a huge name that is giving someone the opportunity to earn a huge amount of money to take that fight. Right. No, it's not the norm. But I'll just tell you how it is straight. I'm not gonna dodge around the question. I'll just tell you every time. If you ask me, I'll tell you. And some people say, oh, I don't, you know, it's like Bob, it's a load of bollocks. You know, it's just that for, for Vasily Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez, it was a unification between two belt holders and there was no rematch calls. So if Devin Haney boxes Teofimo Lopez, there'll be no rematch calls. Right. If Billy Joe Saunders boxes Callum Smith, there'll be no rematch calls. It's just standard. But when you're getting a voluntary defence or you're fighting a megastar of the sport, then 99% of the time, there will be a rematch clause. Now, the terms of that rematch clause sometimes different. Sometimes it has to be mutually agreed in good faith, which, which can mean maybe it will never happen. Sometimes there's an amount specified in a contract. These are things that I'm not going to go into you with because... They're confidential, but you know it's 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 common practice mostly. What happens in the event of a mandatory challenger? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not a voluntary. Doesn't do they have the right to not to agree to a rematch clause? No, generally it depends on the word in the contract. 
some, some rematches Poland, clause, for example. Yeah, no, some rematch clauses will almost be regardless of, of the belt situation or a mandatory situation, they'll supersede. And generally, you would always want that protection of your, your superstar, if you want, because otherwise it's not really a rematch clause, is it? It's, oh, well, I can get out of that if I've got a mandatory challenger. Do you know what I mean? So every clause is different, depending on the wording. Hmm. And that, my friend, is your 15 minutes of education on rematch clauses. Thank you very much. Edward, who is likely, aside from John Ryder, who we know could feature, yep. or likely to feature on the Canelo Smith card? Uh, Golovkin card. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Ryder, Ryder is not down okay. to, no, Ryder, Ryder is, we're, we're discussing at the moment, he could, John Ryder, uh, I'll just tell you how it is. So, Canelo was the regular champion. He's now fighting Smith for the Super Championship. John Ryder will fight for the WBA regular world title in early 2021. And it looks like he will fight Chudinov. Okay? So, but I want to get him out and box him because he hasn't boxed in a year. So my plan is to box him on the Golovkin card. Okay. And listen, could end up being a reserve for the Can Canelo Callum Smith fight. He'd be out there, he'd be ready to go. Um, so yeah, that's the plan with him. Um, also Ali Akhmadov on who's Golovkin's charge on that card. Yeah. Um, Troy, our super featherweight world champion, will fight on that card as well. Reshat Mati uh, and others, and. Um, uh, on the Canelo card will be Julio Cesar Martinez will be defending his WBC world title um, will be another fight that I'm working on at the moment could be Frank Sanchez as well which is uh, Eddie Reynoso's heavyweight Diego Pacheco Amo Williams and Alexis Spin. Right. No other bricks on that card no, though? not on the Canelo card no Okay So like, moving forward now are you looking to work with Canelo on all these fights? Or? I want Callum Smith to knock him out I mean that's what I want. Yeah, so just look, I think with the you know with with my Dazone USA hat on, that was a major major coup for Matchroom to be able to help make that fight. I mean as I've stated before, Canelo is the boss. You know Canelo controls everything, but we got an opportunity to deliver for our fighter Callum Smith in the opportunity of a lifetime. So I'm over the moon, and my whole focus is on Callum Smith winning that fight. Now, if Callum Smith wins that fight, it's likely that you're going to end up seeing another fight anyway with Canelo. If Callum Smith loses that fight and DAZN want me to try and make the Golovkin fight, which is another one of the fighters that I work with, or Billy Joe Saunders, then I'll do that. So I think that win or lose, this is going to be the start of a longer-term relationship with Canelo Alvarez. I mean, that's down to him. He's the boss and Eddie Reynosa. But so far, we managed to get a deal done against all odds. So far, I think everyone's happy. Um, but my focus is obviously to see Callum Smith shock the world in that fight and beat Canelo Alvarez. But again, if he loses, then we'll be doing the next fight. And if he wins, then, you know, as I said to Canelo Alvarez, I think after the Danny Jacobs fight, he said to me, give me more, give me more. So what he meant by that was he's beaten Rocky Fielding, he's beaten Danny Jacobs and... He was talking about Billy Joe Saunders and Callum Smith. So now he's fighting one of them. And if he was to beat Callum Smith, then he'd say, give me more. And I'd have to make the Golovkin fight or the Billy Joe Saunders fight, etc. Um, but like I said, you know, I'm not, uh, he's not yet a matchroom fighter. We're just working together. But Callum Smith is my guy. And that's whose team I'm on for this fight, certainly. 
and I want to see him do the business and, and get the win. Do they give you indication, uh, whether it's Eddie Vanessa or Canelo, that they still are interested in fighting Billy Joe? Oh, yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think, although this is a fight-by-fight arrangement, there is no doubt that Canelo Alvarez looks at Matram and Dazone and goes, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, Gennady Golovkin, well, that's me for a year and a half. You know, as long as the deal's right, it's the perfect schedule. So I think that's that's the plan of action. He thinks he's going to beat Callum Smith and then he's going to fight Billy Joe or he's going to fight Gennady Golovkin and, and probably whoever he don't fight first, he fights second. And then he's, he's 2021. He's, I think these people think they're unbeatable. And they might be. Very good. You know? But they, they truly believe they will beat everyone and they don't mind fighting anyone. So... Um, yeah, like I said, win or lose, I'm sure this is the, the start of a relationship with Canelo Alvarez. But again, he's the boss, he calls the shots. And, you know, ultimately, I work for the fighters. I work in this fight for Callum Smith. And I'm working for Canelo Alvarez to, to put the show on and, you know, help out. But he's the boss, he controls everything. And we'll see if uh, Callum Smith can do the bizzer. I'll tell you what, that 199 from Design is looking great, man. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, the, the global price, obviously. Um, and... For me, my focus, I've got a lot of unfinished business in America. And, you know, when you look at the American schedule on the zone, and you say Danny Jacobs against Rosado, Billy Joe Saunders against Martin Murray, Gennady Golovkin against Zerometa, Canelo Alvarez against Callum Smith, Ryan Garcia against Luke Campbell, that's all within virtually a month on the US schedule, right? So, once again... And Ajo. And Ajo. And Ajo. <laughs> yeah, small, small part of it, that? And Ajo against Buda. Um, so, when you look at that, the value that we are delivering in the US to fight fans is unprecedented. Once again, DAZN in America has the best schedule of any American platform, hands down, to close out the year. They did it last year and they're doing it again. And when you see what they're going to deliver in the US in 2021, I'm extremely motivated. And, you know, Mike Coppinger tweeted and said, you know, fucking hell, people liking to slate Eddie Hearn a few months ago saying, I think he's done in the US. Mate, I ain't even got started yet. We're coming on like a fucking steam train. And we're going to close this year with a huge bang. And next year will be the biggest year you have ever seen for match and boxing. I'm telling you now, it will be on another level globally. 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 We're the only global promoters in the world. No one is doing shows in different territories and regions like we are. No one. We're the only show in town. And next year, we will take the global sport of boxing to another level. Save it. Log it. Do whatever you got to do. Um, let's talk about, obviously, the, another government issue, mm. Edward. Uh, which is slightly positive news that indoor arenas can contain up to a thousand fans. Or two thousand fans, it's in tier one. Yeah, but yeah. tier two. For tier now. Two yeah. for now. Uh, unless you want to do a show in the Isle of Wight. Yes, or Cornwall. Cornwall. It's nice this time of year. Why not? Um, so, how's this exactly going to work for AJ Pooler? So, there's still a lot of work to do, okay? So, we don't really have any guidelines yet. You know, what are you, is it different households buying tickets? Are you allowed to have a beer in the venue? Do you have to have a substantial meal when you have the beer? I mean, well, there are so many boxes to tick, but to be honest, 
it's more for a thousand people. I mean, for the AJ fight, it's slightly different, but generally, it's more aggravation than it's worth, right? But we have to get the ball rolling to bring crowds back. We can't say, oh, you've been given a thousand. Oh, do you know what? We'll leave it. We have to bring the thousand back. Then we have to bring the two, the five, the ten, the twenty. So we are waiting on a conversation and a decision from Brent Council because Brent Council have to approve essentially the government blueprint. And I guess we're still waiting for that blueprint as well. And this is something that sits across our sports, not just boxing. You've got the World Championship at Alexandra Palace coming up for darts. You know, you've got big snooker events going on at the moment. Moscone Cup. So this is something that's affecting our business as a whole. But in terms of boxing, we certainly aren't looking, although it sits two days after the, the, um, you know, the new ruling, to bring fans back for the Billy Joe Saunders fight. I think that's just unrealistic. Mm. It's a week away. You know, we, don't, we haven't even got the guidelines yet. So next Tuesday, we will learn more from Brent Council about the possibility. And if it's possible and if it's safe, and we will go ahead. And we will bring a thousand fans in for Anthony Joshua against Kubrat Pulev. But do those thousand tickets go out or would it be like, I don't know, maybe. Well, again, this is a conversation. Until we know the rules, you know, who governs it? Is it Matrim? Is it Wembley Arena? Is it the council? I don't know. But if we, if it's if it's doable, if it's safe um, and logistically possible for us to do it for December 12th, we will do it and we will have a thousand fans in for AJ against Pulev. Is there any option for like early part of next year for you to do anything outdoor? I know it's January and etc. Not really. Again, I mean, yeah, I think is it up to two thousand outdoors? Not really. I mean, you know, you're talking about small numbers. For there comes a point where, right now, we've got a really good model in place to keep boxing moving. Okay, keep the business moving, keep the sport moving. Again, the closing. Part of this year is the best schedule, the best finish I've ever put on in boxing, right? So, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, again, it just goes back to our response, our, our, sorry, our obligation and our responsibility to bring fans back. Because for a thousand people, you know, for a normal show, and, and we're in Wembley, again, you never go to Wembley to sell a thousand tickets, do you? You, know, you go to Wembley to sell eight thousand. If you want to go, if you want to sell a thousand tickets, go to York Hall. Well, actually, York Hall might end up being an option for people moving forward because if York Hall's capacity is I don't know 1,100, 1,200, you can get six hundred people in York Hall, and actually you can make the finances work. So I think it's good news for the small hall shows as well and non televised shows. But again, we all got a push now to say, okay, we've done that, and we've got to show the government and show the council how well boxing can do at coordinating and policing that distancing element into arenas and trying to keep pushing, pushing, pushing as the numbers fall, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000. And hopefully, I'm looking at it really and saying, spring, summer next year is our chance of returning to normality. But I don't know. Just a keyboard warrior when it comes to COVID. So is there the possibility that you don't have fans there. Yeah, definitely, definitely positive. I mean, for AJ Poole, yeah, because they could come in and say, "You've got to do this. You've got to do this." The fans can't do this. They've got to come. I mean, and then in the end, you look at it and go, oh, 
but we'll do everything we can and we'll try and overcome every obstacle we can. But at some point, you might look at it and say, this is just not feasible. So, but we have no idea what that ruling is. Till we get the guidelines, we can't make the decision. But, but if it's doable, we will do it. Is your card set now? Um, not completely, no, there's a, two or three more fights that still be announced. So you've got um, Suzuko against Kieran Conway. Yeah, that's Beca a great fight. Great fight, yeah. brilliant fight. Piccoli against Kuzman, great fight. Huey Fury against Wack, great fight. Piccoli against Glowacki, great fight. AJ against Pulev, great fight. And probably two or three more still to come. Two or three more, what are you having mm -hmm. Eight or nine? Eight, yeah. Eight. Mm -hmm. What's your limit on that? Eight. Eight. Does it annoy you to talk about pay-per-view? Not really. Been doing it for about 10 years. I know. Seems like every now and again. Mate, I don't give a fuck. You can ask me whatever you want. Anything you want. I don't care. I really don't care. That's it's... the difference between me and others. <coughs> okay. You can ask me whatever you want right. and I won't get you to edit anything. I won't get you to change anything. I won't have a go at you. I won't ban you from anywhere. I might tell you to fuck off afterwards. But that's what's made you and me. Because you've always asked me whatever you want and I've always told you the truth. Okay, so... <clears throat> Apart from Dillian White getting up at eight and that wasn't even your interview. No, that wasn't my interview. Um, so, you've given the reasons why um, December 12th stays at... Not increased yeah, from February, stays, stays yeah. at 24.95. So, if, for example, AJ fights Alexander Usyk with a crowd mm -hmm. next year, mm -hmm. okay, does that then drop back down to 1995? Not, not necessarily. I, I don't, to be honest, I mean, why are you fucking asking me that for? No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, when AJ boxed Andy Ruiz, okay, one, yeah. one yeah. it was £19.95, right? He lost his heavyweight world title. He came back in a big fight as a challenger to Andy Ruiz, and it was £24.95, okay? He then beat him and he become the king again. He become a two-time world champion, okay? A bigger name, a bigger draw, a bigger star, okay? During this situation with Pulev, I don't even know if, I can't honestly tell you that if we had 80,000 at Spurs, whether this would, I don't even think it would have been 19 pound 95. So actually, I could even give you the excuse to say, well, we've got no crowd, so I had to make it 24.95. That just might be the new price moving forward for Anthony Joshua. He is a complete superstar, and his pay-per-view price is more expensive than Dillian White or Derek Chisora. Now, will the uh, AJ uh, Usyk fight, would that be 24.95? I don't know, probably. Yeah, but have you decided this in the last it's not, Nothing's months? been decided. There's no, there's no strategy moving forward saying, right guys, let's all agree that the new price is X. With this situation, with, with the size of AJ since the win over Andy Ruiz, 24.95 was the decision taken for this fight. It's not one penny more than his last fight where he fought as a challenger to Andy Ruiz. Now, again, I, I could spin you the line and say, well, there's no crowds. And has that played a decision? Maybe, because you've lost 10 million pounds worth of revenue from the show. So we're not gonna reduce the pay-per-view price, to be honest with you, we're gonna keep it the same. You know, I mean, there is an argument to increase it because of the lost revenue. So I, I saw, I think I saw even my old mate Frankie Warren even yeah, said, no, I think they're what, you know, I understand. It's not, 
for me, I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say, Matrim Sky increased the AJ pay-per-view to 24 pounds. No, we haven't. It's the same price as the last fight. Now, at the time, when you asked me that question, is this the price moving forward? The answer was, no, I don't know. I, it, that conversation hasn't taken place. Yeah, but didn't you indicate that this was kind of, that, that price was that specific was, to that but fight? But what, what I say a year ago can be very different to what I say now, especially coming off a global pandemic. So the fact is, I wouldn't really, people in, like the hardcore boxing community love a debate about this, where you need to just chill out and just relax and say, AJ's pay-per-view price is the same as the last fight, okay? We have no fans, no problem. We take that on the chin, accepted. That's what we're doing. And once again, and I hate saying, if you don't like it, don't buy it, because I think that's disrespectful to people. But ultimately, you have a choice. If you want to watch the biggest star in world boxing, if you want to watch, in my opinion, the best heavyweight of our generation at the moment right now, if you want to watch a great night of boxing, a great card, and by the way, you know, there's 90,000 people, well actually, there's 150,000 people that wanted to buy a ticket for Anthony Joshua against Kubrat Pulev. 150,000 tickets. That's how many tickets I could have sold for this fight. We would have gone sale on Spurs for 70 or 8,000 like that in day one. And they now can't go. And they were willing to pay an average price of, I don't know, 250 quid a head. And now they can't go and they can watch it from the sofa with the, whatever the official partner will be, potentially Deliveroo, potentially Pizza Hut, for £24.95, for a massive night of boxing and a unified heavyweight champion of the world. And that, my friend, is our offering to you. Whether you purchase it or not, you will review it, you will evaluate it, and you will make your decision. But we are not charging one penny more than his last fight. And we can debate it, we like it. You know, but that, that's not the argument, is it? It's not the argument of like, um, but the argument your is choice to do it, is it? Because you know, boxing fans are going to pay it, aren't they? But they then, are that, but pay then, it. boxing but then, fans but are going to pay. But then that that completely go. But then, but that's you know that goes against everything because you're you're setting a price within a, of a product that people are going to pay because they feel like it's it's it it provides them with value. I mean, yeah, so what I should make it. Just because they're paying for it doesn't mean they agree with what they're paying for. They'll never agree with it, mate. They'll never agree with it. They've never agreed with one pay-per-view I've ever done. But this is how it is. So, you know, you look at Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury could not fight. Forget £24.95, because that would have been his pay-per-view price against Caballero or Takan. Don't worry about that. This is what Frank said. Yeah. So there you go. So, all right, let's just put things in perspective. So Tyson Fury against Ajit Kabayal would have been £24.95. Mike Tyson against Roy Jones Jr. in a... Fuck, what is it? It's an exhibition. No one can win. No one can throw a punch. If it gets cut, they stop. It's an absolute... That's £19.95. You're about to watch the biggest star in world boxing in a mandatory defence, another Brit fight for a world title, another British heavyweight in a tough fight. A great fight between Bacoli Kuzman, Kuz, uh, Suzuka against Common for £24.95. So make your choices. I'll tell you what, buy Mike Tyson against Roy Jones at four o'clock in the morning this week and, and, and don't watch AJ fight. Fucking hell. You know. So you, you were saying that if 
Joshua had fought at White Hart Lane, yeah, with a full crowd, yeah. there was a good chance. Good chance it would have been between. It would yes. have been the same. Yes. I, I don't, so basically, I don't, it would have been the same, wouldn't it? I don't. I can't give you a concrete answer, but it's very good chance it would have been twenty four pound ninety five. But certainly with no crowds, it was an act. It wasn't even a discussion point. It wasn't even a discussion point to keep it the same. Did they ring you? Who? Sky? Did they ring you for? input on this. No, I just think, I mean, obviously... You, the, get, you get the brunt of it. Cause but, but again, when you... you know, when a decision was made to make 24.95, AJ against Rees smashed pay-per-view numbers, done over a million bites at £24.95. Do you not understand as someone that, you know, prices a product, if all of a sudden that price point has just smashed pay-per-view numbers, and I know it was a bigger fight than Kubrat Pulev, even though the level of opposition is exactly the same, right? That that price, with no crowd, with everything going on, with AJ having won, become a two-time champion, become an even bigger star, it's okay to keep that price the same. Right? It's just logic, right? And, and with everything going on, but again, no one's ever going to be happy, and it just comes down to the same thing. I'm not going to sit here and say, stop moaning, buy it or don't moan it. But stop moaning and buy it or don't moan it. Just, that's what it comes down to. That is what we feel we're going to deliver value for you on December 12th. So we can just accept now that moving forward, Anthony Joshua, aside from the Tyson Fury fight, his pay-per-view price will be set at 24.95. I mean, again, right now, in this conversation... I would say it's very likely that that will be AJ's pay-per-view price moving forward. But I won't. what I won't do is say that that will be the price of a Tyson Fury fight. I've said, said, aside yeah. from yeah, Tyson Yeah, but Fury. I don't know. Look, listen, I mean, you know, you can, you can shoot yourself in the foot on certain things, but I'm pretty confident, right, to tell you that there is no fire out there could come back to haunt me, because I'm telling you as what I believe today, that would increase AJ's pay-per-view price from £24.95 other than Tyson Fury. And even when you say to me, well, what would the price be for that? I have got no clue. But I would In be head, shocked. We'd love to think of it as Yes, I would be shocked if that price did not start with a two. And I, I don't I don't think, you know, it could be 200 <laughs> <laughs> you imagine Hearn announces AJ Fury 201 quid um, no but that's, that's uh, again I I don't want to sound like a creep but I just tell you the honest truth right and sometimes a year later it can come back and bite me in the ass. but when I tell you that the price goes £24.95 when Josh was challenging Reese for the world title at the time that was a decision for that fight only what, what was the Dillian White fight? 1995? Correct. Okay. And Usyk Chisora, £19.95. So, I don't, you know, not, listen, Usyk and Dillian are What's the, the lowest pay-per-view you've done? Buys? No, as in terms of price. I can't remember. Have you done a 14 Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably... Wasn't Hay Harris? Hay Harris yeah, that, that was, yeah, but... 1495 went to 1995. I want to say the Klitschko fight, maybe? Four years ago? Three years ago? Something like that. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just AJ, to be honest with you, and, and Tyson Fury. I mean, Tyson Fury's pay-per-views are £24.95. Again, Frank said it. But he his fight against Wilder was £24.95. Big fight, but 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, If he fought in December, Takam or Cabriel would have been £24.95. This looks like it could be AJ's price moving forward. And other pay-per-views are £19.95. 
you know, I'm listen, I'm happy to debate it all day long because no one's ever going to agree with everybody. I think when people kind of look on the whole of everything that they pay for, I mm. suppose, and it's not specific to boxing, it's like your BT sports subscription. Of course, but, sports, right? you know, that my, my business, my, my business is delivering a pay-per-view product that's going to provide customers with value. And I believe I do every time. And actually, now I believe that this is the correct price for this specific show for this specific fighter. And if you don't, if you don't agree with me, I, I accept that. But there's going to be hundreds of thousands and absolute masses of people that will be perching this fight, supporting Anthony Joshua, who couldn't get a ticket, who love watching AJ, who love watching the best heavyweight in the world, in my opinion, and a great fighter with a great card. And that, that's it. Do you price your tickets the same? Or do if they we get a thousand. If you get a thousand. Or lay To be honest, like, I, don't, I, I don't think there'll be, there'll be a, any kind of considerable price increase, no. Because they, you're not going to have, you know, if you're, if you're thinking... Ringside, no, there'll be no ringside seats yeah. because that's the, the zone, you know. Um, so the tiered seats, I think, I think the tiered seats would be the same pricing. As a, as a tiered seat, at the Wembley Arena or the age or the O2, where this fight was originally scheduled for when it was rescheduled, yeah, I think it'll be the same. But it's not, you know, um, we've accepted that, like Canelo Alvarez accepted that he is taking a considerable pay cut to get out and fight, right? So we've based this fight on zero fans. So it's not like we're now going, oh my God, we've got fans, we need them to keep everyone happy. If there is additional revenue, it's marginal. It's, it's, no, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. You know, you're a thousand tickets. Um, we lost 80,000 tickets. That's what we lost. But AJ, Pulev, Callum, Canelo, all these fighters have taken pay cuts for what they wanted for this fight because they want to fight it. They want to defend their world titles and they want to keep the momentum. Just one more question. About Some that. haven't. Just one more question about the pay per view. If, uh, hypothetically, Anthony Joshua mm -hmm. right, turned around to you and Sky, whoever, mm -hmm. and said, Do you know what? I want this set at 1995. Does he have that power Absolutely. to do that? Yes. But he's, but he, I'm not saying he would, I'm saying that he has the power. It's his AJ, uh, it's our response. You know, AJ. Is, although AJ is the complete boss and I work for Anthony Joshua, Anthony fights. You know, he's not going to me saying, Eddie, what do you think about the pay-per-view price for this, mate? It's my job to say where you are now with what we need to deliver for the show, you know, with Sky's position, we're all happy that this is the price point. Now, if he was, if it got to a point where, you know, he wasn't happy with the price point, but it's not something that comes into his thoughts when he's doing 12 rounds of sparring with four different heavyweights. No, I shouldn't imagine it is. Do you know what I mean? So, blame it on me. Don't blame it on AJ, blame it on me. No, I blame it, I just said, does he no, have that? blame it on me. Is it Sky's decision that he... I think it's just, it's just a marketplace decision. It's just, it's just a business decision of common sense, to be honest with you. And, and that's the price point that's set. No fans, but no price increase. And if you've got, if you want to blame anyone, Blame me. Not a problem. You get the blame anyway. I get the blame all the time. But I've come to accept it. It's not a problem. Um, are you going to tune into Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce's Yes, show? I will. Actually, I don't have BT, but I will 
you know, if I, I think you can join him for a night or something like that. I think it's a good fight. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I got to know Sam Jones a little bit lately with, uh, you know, um, Johnny Fisher and Laurent Richards. And yeah, I think it's a good fight. I mean, it's a real, you know, you get every now and again, you get a really good sort of British title domestic, you know, tear up. And this is it. This is a, a good fight. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. Got my predictions, but you know. I swear you told me you would have stuck this on pay per view. Uh, I don't, don't know. I think you used to tell like if you built the card around it. Maybe, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm pretty I, sure I think with the with how busy the pay per view marketplace is, I think, I mean, there's no way it does a hundred thousand buys on BT. No way, this fight. But I think it's great that it's not on pay per view, especially for those guys, because you've got two guys who, if you look at the last viewing figures. Dubois was quite solid, a lot of help off the football, but still. But Joe Joyce, really actually quite poor numbers for the Wallach fight. So if you want to push these guys as, as stars, the worst thing you can do is do a pay-per-view that does 50,000 buys. So I think Frank and BT, I think they've done, I think it's, it's a good, because if they believe in one of them, and they, they, they let's just get one thing right, the only person they care about in this fight is Daniel Dubois. If they believe in Dubois and they want to make him a star, this is going to be a big help for that. So I think, you know... Who wins the fight for you? The fight is um, I don't know. Like, you know, you listen to Sam Jones and you think that uh, Joe Joyce is unbeatable, but Sam Jones falls in love with his fighters. I do it myself sometimes. Um, I think that... Um, I think if, if Joe can move his head a little bit and not get hit early on in the fight, I think he's got a good chance as the fight goes on. I don't know. I think this, listen, I know sparring, sparring, but I know a lot of fighters, some that we represent, that have badly hurt Dubois in sparring and, and no one's really yet to hit him on the chin hard in the pro heavyweight game. So does he like it back? He's a, he's a very good fighter. He's a very strong puncher. Um, is he one dimensional? You know, the one thing that worries me is that he went the distance with Kevin Johnson, like recently. And Kevin is, you know, I mean, that recent? What was it a year and a half ago? Something like that, wasn't it? Two years ago. But but at a time where Kevin was getting stopped, and I don't know. I think you got a box Dubois, but he hits very hard. He's very dangerous. Joe's massive. Mm. The problem is with Joe is when you watch Joe Joyce. Like, the amount of, like, even my mates that have watched Joe Joyce phone me up and go, oh my God, that Joyce is absolutely useless. I say, no, he's not, he can really fight. You speak to Tyson Fury, I've heard him say, speak to AJ, the guy just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. But with 10 ounce gloves on, and, and again, Dubois can punch, he just mustn't get hit early. Do you have a pick for uh, the Mike Tyson and Jones fight? Uh... I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and find a way to watch uh, the other fight and then I'm going to go to sleep right and I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm just I quite like doing that I did it with um, when Kel Brook fought the other night I finished the show and I thought oh, I'll stay up and watch it and I was sort of drifting off and anyway, I woke up and then I like you know when you go through Twitter and you start reading it, it's quite exciting with Roy Jones against Tyson Fury 
again for, for four pounds or five pounds less than Anthony Joshua. Um, I'm just going to wake up in the morning and go, oh my god, and it's like I don't know, one bloke fell over and like someone swung a punch and then the ref stopped it. One and bloke and someone. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones there, mate. I'll come. You must be curious to watch it. It's like no, no. I don't listen. I don't knock them for doing it. They're both legends. Good luck to them. But I have absolutely no curiosity to watch that fight at all. I think KOs are allowed now, aren't they? What? I think so. Listen, you've got Oscar De La Hoya coming out of retirement, haven't you? By the sounds of things. So, would you get involved in his comeback? I mean, he is certainly a lot fresher than those guys, physically. Um, and what, how old is Oscar? Early 40s? Uh, what are they, 50 something? They're in their 50s. Yeah. Uh, 55 and 51 or two. I don't know. I just think a lot of these up, these fighters that have retired are going to look at it and say, get out, nice few quid, isn't it? I'll have another go. Canelo, uh, Oscar De La Hoya said he wanted to fight Triple G. I think Triple G might fancy that. YouTube fights? What's mm. going on? Oh, really? There's one on the card, isn't there? Yeah, with two well, YouTubers uh, fighting. Paul and Robinson. Nine. Yeah. So there's another YouTube fight. Um, Are you promoting another YouTube fight? Not at the moment, no. I would do it. I would do KSI Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Jake Paul can fight another one. What? Well, it all came up on my timeline the other day. What? I'm just like Good, re reminiscing what about LA. What do you mean your bank statement come up on the timeline? <laughs> and that I'm just yeah, yeah. Um, well, Logan Paul's fighting Floyd Mayweather, isn't it? Is he? I think so. We will promote that. No. Help promote that. No. That's awful, mate. That's awful. <laughs> you should never ever knock any of these fights because. You're no, but I would not do that. Listen, I don't mind putting two guys in that at least it's like... I mean, even... What, Conor... equally matched? Is that what you mean? Yes. Would you not say like two 50-year-olds like Roy Jones and, and Tyson Ari? Yeah, but I'd, I'd much prefer that than yeah. Mayweather, Logan Paul, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that one. Be honest. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. So, I, even like... I can't tell you that obviously I wouldn't have promoted McGregor, Mayweather, because I would have. But... Although that was a complete mismatch, at least Connor can fight. Box. Logan Paul, like against, so you've got a bloke who lost his professional debut against another YouTuber, fighting one of the best fighters of our generation. That's bollocks. Listen, again, going back to Jones against Tyson, I just don't like all the, you know, let him have it. Either right? fight or fight. Yes, don't, don't like, because yeah. what's probably gonna happen is, the ref's gonna stop it and say, Oh, don't do that, and th and then someone's going to get out of breath and knackered and cut, and the fight's going to, and everyone's going to go, what the fuck? At least just let him go at it. But the other one, what is that? What is Mayweather against Logan Paul? You come on, be honest. No, you won't say it because you're no. sure yourself you won't get an interview. With who? With anyone? You saw you ever yeah, do. No, I've just said to you, I agree with the whole Mayweather and Logan Paul. So thing. you're saying that that's a false that fight. 
I'm not going to. So you would never want to be part. No, but what I'm saying is, you wouldn't. You know, with, with your credibility and integrity for the sport of boxing, would I cover you it? certainly wouldn't cover that fight. I would cover it in a second. So what you're saying is, you just don't. You have no class, no respect, no integrity for the sport. That's not what I'm saying. No. And Yet you would cover it to make money. But I know you're disgusting. If Mayweather got you disgust you, yeah. you disgust me. If Mayweather so you're telling you, me you, you, you would hey, do yeah, things. Hey, yeah. Do you want to help us with this you know Pole fight? You would 100% I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Talking bollocks. I wouldn't. I promise you, I wouldn't. I swear. No you would. I would not. Now you wouldn't, because this is going to No, no, it doesn't now. matter. It doesn't matter. I'll promise you, I would not get involved. Me and you are different, mate. Right? <laughs> you think I just do things to make a pound note? You disgust me. How's your book coming on? Fucking really good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Listen, what's relevant today may not be relevant to Just keep months. fucking smiling, will you? For God's sake, people, they, people are so angry. Um, okay, well, something else to ask you. Who was going to ask you about? Um, I wanted to ask you about Callum Johnson, actually. Mm -hmm. Anything? No, I... Um... I made Callum Johnson an offer yeah. um, about, blimey, I want to say six weeks ago, maybe a little bit more, and the offer was to have a run-out fight in November, to fight for the European title, and then fight for Waxy. And I didn't hear back, and then I heard back from Joe, and he said, Callum said, it's not enough money. That was it. I said, all right, that was it. Not, we'd like this, or, you know, how about this yeah, plan? He was saying plan. it's not enough money, surely it's an indication for you to then increase the not, money? Not necessarily, not, I mean, not as blunt as that, no, not really, but, you know, ultimately, it's hard to get people out at the moment. I gave, you know, there was an opportunity for Callum Johnson to box this year, and, and the same goes for Natasha Jones, but by the way, they don't have to accept the deal, and they don't have to fight for us. They're like two fighters that don't have a contract with Matchroom, they don't have an obligation to fight for me, I don't have an obligation to give them fights, I'd love them to fight for me. I would have much preferred Natasha Jonas was in the ring making money and progressing her career than commentating on the fight. I would much rather that Callum Johnson was getting paid to fight and actually get a run out in November than being frustrated in the gym. But they chose not to accept it and, and I just gave that opportunity to someone else. Doesn't mean I'll, oh, I'm not working with Callum Johnson and Natasha again, I'd love to. But I gave them an opportunity to take that slot. They didn't take it. Someone else did. But that, that, you, don't, you don't just roll over and take any offer that Matron gives. So they didn't like the offer. They didn't have to take it. But there was no communication. Someone else might have phoned me up and gone, listen, what about if we do this? What about if we do this? And, like, you know, and we would have got a deal done. But it was like, no, it's not enough money. Okay, I'll give it to someone else. But... You Liam have to Smith, ask yourself. Liam Smith as well? No, Liam Smith, no offer for Liam Smith to fight as you. Uh, I'm trying to make Jesse Vargas against Liam Smith for early next year. That's the fight. Um, but with, with Callum and, and Natasha, they both had the opportunity to fight very straightforward, easy fights, get paid this year, and, and fight and progress. A bit different for Tash because she did box in August. Do you know what I mean? But, but there's no point just being in the gym. Get out there, get out there and progress your career. But again, it doesn't mean you have to take, I felt the offers were, were very good. And, and actually, 
In one instance, even their management company thought that the offer was fantastic, but it wasn't to them. And that's their, that's their prerogative, their choice. But I would love to work with them in the future, but right now, those opportunities that I presented to them were taken by somebody else. It's very difficult to get slots for fighters at the moment. Again, we're approaching the end of the year. Now some people that wanted to box in December are having to box in early January and we're gonna start our shows 23rd or maybe even a week earlier. And you're just gonna to have to, you know, normally a fighter would wanna get out before Christmas and you know, come back in spring. That don't exist anymore. You just gotta be ready, stay ready and take your opportunity. And if you wanted to fight in December, you may be fighting three or four weeks later in, December, in January. So Christmas is canceled this year. Okay, last thing. Uh, just list me out your ideal January, how you want it to pan out, show-wise. Well, we have Warrington against Kanzu, which we're planning at the moment. Where? Uh, well, hopefully in Leeds. That would be nice. What tier are Leeds in? Uh, Leeds, I believe, are tier three at the moment, are they? Mm, possibly. Mm, let me just have a quick look at that. It's quite interesting. Tier three. Yeah, so we need that to change. Um, if not, we'll do it in London. Um, we're, we're not gonna be allowed five, 10,000 in January anyway, that's for sure. Um, so you've got Warrington Kanzu, you've got Avanesian against Kelly, which will either go on a Dillian White card or a standalone. Saturday night fight. The week before? 23rd. I mean, all these fights are around that time. White Povetkin scheduled for January the 30th. Could that change? No, I mean, you know, could it move a week back? I don't, I mean, at the moment, Povetkin's not in camp yet, but he's been at home resting for the last couple of weeks, so he'll be resuming his camp soon. So I don't see that fight changing date now. Are you staying at Wembley? I don't know. know. That's all being discussed at the moment. One thing's for sure, next week, will be an announcement, certainly of our first show in January, but probably two shows for the first two shows of next year. So when would we hear an official announcement for Dillian White and Povetkin? Could be next week. Oh, it could be next could week. Be, yeah. But you should stay at Wembley. It's nice, isn't it? Especially with the old uh, Wingstop. Oh yeah. How nice was that? Wingstop was a good call. Whoever yeah. made that, Ross? Ross, Ross did the deal. Yeah, Ross does a lot Shout of Shout out Rossy Jim. Um, the other thing is just stay there, mate. Okay, thanks. You like the hotel? It's nice, isn't it, with the food and everything? Well, I just think it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. Have you got anything else you want to add? All good, mate. All good. Anything um, else you want to Hope face? everyone is uh, lifted a little bit by the news today. I suppose it's good and bad, wasn't it? But for most people, at least there's some sign of normality-ish coming through. So, hang in what, there. What did you reach a million followers? Was it Instagram? Insta, yeah. Hey, million followers, that's quite... Nah, that's nothing. No? Shout out to all the followers, those who started with me and those who joined me lately. Do you remember who followed you first? No, was it you? No. No, I'm just saying, who's your first follower? No. No? Do you know a little, really fascinating Instagram story? I uh, lost my password or something on Instagram and I just... I got to about 40,000 and I binned it off for three years. And I thought, oh, actually, I'll go back on now because I didn't really like it at the start. Now I much prefer it over uh, Twitter, don't you? I think each serve their different purposes. Twitter's so angry. I know. But to get things going, Twitter is... Yeah, it's just so angry. 
there are like a dozen people who every time I post just go like literally like and it's, it's like 10 seconds later what call your flag yeah worse than that sometimes oh. yeah. it's like what do you do what are you doing how was Mike Tyson the other day it wasn't ideal have you listened to it not yet but you told me about yeah it. so I we set up a, a zoom for the podcast BBC podcast that I do no passion that point and um, it was like oh Mike's connecting now <laughs> and Mike was in a car right with his I don't know it was his mate or whatever and he was like that on the zoom did he know who you were yeah okay I've got to ask. I don't know. He texted me and said, just to let you know that as tough as things have been in this camp, your book, Relentless, <laughs> got me through the camp. We're laughing. 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 And it was like, hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Right, here we go. Eddie Hearn, BBC No Passion, no boy. Mike, big fight this weekend. How you feeling? I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm fucking good. Um, obviously, Mike, you know, if, you know the training, blah, blah, how's training gone? Training's gone good. Mike, um, growing up in Brownsville, you know, obviously very difficult for you. What was that like? It was tough, man, it's tough. Mike, um, and I did freeze a little bit as well at the same time, because he's like, I remember seeing him in a, oh, he came out a great line. Because I, I went to a club called Pure at Caesars Palace, right? Fucking unbelievable back in the day. And I saw Mike Tyson, I had this table here and he was on a table next to me and he was on his own with just women everywhere, right? And I thought, fuck, it's Mike Tyson. But he looked a bit nutty at the time. I think he probably had a few, whatever. And he was like, so I thought, don't wanna lie. And all night I was just waiting to go and talk to him. So I went over and at that stage of my life, which was probably like early twenties, I did what I used to do all the time, which was, I'm Barry Hernson. <laughs> I just went up to him and I said, Mike, do you know Barry Hearn? Yeah, no, Barry I'm his son. He's like, all right, nice one, probably bought prick. And then I just said, hey, any chance of a photo? And he's like, just grunted at me. And I had a photo. And um, yeah, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. And I've still got the photo. And yeah, and I said to him, I went, Mike, I remember seeing you in Pure Nightclub about 20 years ago. I said, you know, where were you at that stage in your life? It sort of looks, didn't really seem to with it. He went, Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. That's what he said. And uh, there's a couple of good stories about Customato. He obviously rates Fury, thinks Fury will beat AJ, so we had a little bit of back and forth about that. Um, it, it was good. It wasn't the greatest podcast I ever did because I didn't feel like I really had him locked in. It's not mean? ideal in a car, I will say that. It's, it's really not ideal. Did but you I bring did, up... I've, I've actually, that was podcast eight. Which, yeah, podcast has gone really well. Yeah. Uh, and we've got two more to go, which is Joe Wicks, which I recorded yesterday. The body oh, coach. Very nice guy. Yeah. Joe Wicks, great story though. Like, do you know Joe Wicks' background? Not really. So Joe Wicks from a um, council estate, I think Surbiton or something like that. His mum had him very young and his dad uh, had an addiction, bad heroin addiction. And had a really sort of unsettled upbringing. Uh, become a teaching assistant, went to university and become a PT. And he used to do boot camps over Richmond Park. And he would go to the train station and give out flyers for his boot camp at the weekend. And it was actually a boxing boot camp. And he said, sometimes I would turn up and there would be like two people at my boot camp. And I think, 
you know, and I just thought, well, about try this, you know, and then you started looking at the digital side, food prep and stuff like that. It's actually, for young aspiring PTs and anyone young aspiring in business who's got a dream and an idea that's probably thinking, I'm not sure this is ever going to take off or, or banging their head against the wall, listen to Joe Wicks on my podcast and Freddie Flintoff, who was fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Had some so names honest, on there, so raw. What's that, mate? Had some names I had there, some there. massive names on there, mate. Had some good names on there. But you know, Freddie Flintoff, did you see his show about bulimia recently? No. Did you hear about it? No. Did you not know anything about it? No. Do you know that he's been suffering from bulimia all his life? Or for, you know, the, the large portion of his life? That part, I knew some of, but I haven't watched the programme. I mean, isn't that amazing? That someone like that, who you can look at and think, like this guy's got it all England cricket, a smile on his face, he loves a beer, he's out with the lads, can have some kind of illness so debilitating and mentally tough. And he said in my podcast that he would arrive at a match and he would go around the, the clubhouse and find the best spot for him to be sick in. He would have his lunch. He would go and be sick, throw it all up and then go out and play. I think it's unbelievable. I thought it was so brave of him to tell that story. It's amazing. You don't, it just shows you, doesn't it? You never realise what people are going through. No. You know, you, all the times, you know, the stick he had, the abuse he had, and no, you, no one would have ever thought that he would have been going through anything like that. So you never know, do you? Just because someone's happy and smiley and loud and, you know, they could be going back home or back to the hotel, crying her eyes out. It's true. Rest it's in peace, true. Heavy D. Yeah, I was going to come on to very that. Very sad. Yeah. Heavy D, yeah, obviously very... Uh, Familiar with a lot of people in boxing, had yeah, a few he's just a crazy charity guys, wasn't he? I mean, larger than life. He's just one of those people. I think it's always good to to leave an impression in a room. Can be good impression, you know. Can be a bad impression, but mostly, obviously, people want to leave good impressions. But Heavy was one of those guys where he did light up a room. It wasn't always everyone's cup of tea because he was so loud and so in your face. And you can imagine some people thinking, who is this guy? But I bet they had an opinion on him. Do you know what I mean? And he did the fuck whatever he wanted, let's be honest. He didn't change for anyone, didn't he? He didn't, he didn't go into a room full of different kind of people and be someone else. He was just the way he was. Mm. Larger than life. Very sad. Very you know, sad. Was he 42, 43? 43, I think. Yeah. Um, As the saying said, someone said at a funeral I was at recently, he may not have been everyone's cup of tea, but he was my cup of tea. That's what someone said, and I thought it was a great line because um, you know he was he was he was full, he was a he was a character. Every time you see that geezer, what's the first thing you think of? Well, it's every day. You know what I mean, he was you, you you couldn't forget him, could you? No. So gone far too soon, but definitely made an impact on a lot of people, and he won't be forgotten. Definitely did that. Um, and also Maradona, you see, so yeah, he passed away amazing. at the age of 60 as well. Well, that was that was really one that just, I mean, it, I, I don't think you could see an Instagram page that didn't have a, a tribute or a post on Maradona because, especially of our age, he was, you know, I mean, obviously that, you know, the hand of God in the World Cup is what you remember him for first, but also you remember him for the final, was it the semi-final, quarter-finals, when he went on that, you know, running the, the tournament, scoring loads of goals. And he was like, I was listening to Ronnie O'Sullivan talk about him this morning, and he likened him to Roberto Duran. Do you know what I mean? One of those guys that obviously have catastrophic demons, 
but are so honest and raw and real that the public love them for that. Do you know what I mean? So someone like Maradona, whilst he would have made a million mistakes in his life, they were there for all to see. Mm. And I think people warm to the fact that you are vulnerable, but you're honest and real. So he had his problems, he had his addictions, he had his bad decisions, but it all unfolded in front of you. And I think he's just, you know, for him it was like, this is me. But obviously suffered a lot in his life as well, with addiction and, you know, uh, all sorts, but just an unbelievable player. And I think the great stories like that are, when you think about Maradona and Roberto Duran, and I don't know, but having been to some of these places, you can imagine where they came from. You know, like Roberto Duran in Panama, or Maradona in Argentina, Buenos Aires, or wherever he was from in Argentina. Now, these are guys that have become global icons from absolutely nothing. Remarkable, really. I mean, was he the greatest player of all time? That's something that only comes over time, isn't it? Because you know when they're playing at the moment, in, in the moment, People say this could be the best ever, but it doesn't really happen until no. over time. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like Messi yeah. and Ronaldo. Will, will, one, yeah, will you say he was the greatest it. player of all time? Right. But really, you have to say, I mean, up with Pele, two of the greatest players of all time. Definitely. Do you think, yeah. do you think in that 20 years' time people will go, Eddie Earn, one of the greatest promoters of all time? I hope so. I think you've got a fair shout. But I just, but that's again something. But, but I think that you only look back on things when they've gone. You know, so when I've gone, I don't think I'll ever be in the game and people will go, he's the, one of the greatest promoters of all time. I think when I'm dead or when I walk away, that's when they might say it. Because you only say it when you realise what's gone. And that's the same with football. Same with boxing. It's like Floyd Mayweather. I don't class Floyd Mayweather. I mean, I class him as one of the greatest fighters of our generation, but do you class him as one of the greatest fighters of all time? I think in 20 years' time, yes, I think he will be classed that way. Do you know what I mean? But at the time, I don't think you get that kind of homage. Haven't heard that in a while. I'm not sure if it was the right word to use, but it sounded good to me. I think you'll be definitely regarded as like top, top 30. Top 30, thanks man. I don't know what. Of all time, I sports think... promoters. Yeah, I think that, I think it's nice to. I mean, what do you want to be remembered? You know, remembered for nothing really. Nothing. No, hopefully one day a good dad. Mm. Not long it? for you now. No, three months. But I do sometimes think that. I think you know when it's all said and done. What do you want to be remembered as? You want to be remembered as a, as a good man. I think, good man, good husband, good father. I want to be remembered as someone. Yeah, someone that just switched up the game. That, that's, that is, being brutally honest, that is a, that is a, that is a, a, a dream or a target, whatever you want to call it. Man. I do, I do want people to think that. Man. Fuck me, smashed it. That's, you know, like at the, at the, the funeral. You want, you want to hear, do you know what, he was a good man he was. But you also want to hear, fuck me, he was a good operator. Oh, tore up the game, mate. And then good banter. That's yeah. important to you, isn't but it? I'm a, but aren't we all failed athletes, really? I'm a, I'm a failed athlete. I'd much rather be a sportsman. Oh, shit. So this is my opportunity to leave a mark on the world. This way. And I think you've always got to try and leave a mark on the world, don't you? 
Course. Unless you're just happy to be get lost in the system. I want I want to I want to be outstanding. I want to be the best I can be. I want people to look back and say, all jokes aside, he was the greatest promoter of all time. Or I can't believe that fucker kept the price at twenty four ninety five. They might say that, and I'm dead. No, they won't. They'll go. Do you know What's what? What's happened now? Then they won't. Won't. they'll go. Do you know what? He always gave us value for money. Good egg, that man. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah you don't oh, right, sorry. Yeah. No, you don't have to. You know, it's not that you want to get. You don't have to be praised. They don't have to go. Oh, he was a great man, and he changed the game. They can say he was a complete prick. Fuck me, he was good. That'll do. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not a prick anyway. No, no one said he was. No, I'm not. But that actually frustrates me because I think if you didn't know me you would think I was a prick, but I promise if you know me, you'd, you, I mean, you might think I'm half a prick, but that's about it, honestly. I think if someone meets you, they won't think you're a prick. I think Thanks, they mate. see... Oh, no, we've had... How many times have we had this discussion? Mate, if I saw me on TV or in these interviews, I would think, I can't stand that geezer. No, I'm not sure I'd think that, but I think, oh... No context has been big for me. What? No context has been big, big for me. Because it's people that don't know boxing who don't necessarily watch interviews who go, oh, he's hilarious. Because they don't, they don't really watch enough of me. But I have noticed as well, over the last few months, that you don't really get booed at shows anymore. <laughs> Banter, no crowds, very good. Prick. <laughs> like, that's why people say, I think Hearn likes it with no crowds. I don't. I, I prefer crowds. All right. Yeah, mate. Listen, it is what it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, for you, obviously, Rosado and Danny Jacobs this week, and then yeah. roll on Billy Sutton. Billy, Billy, Billy Joe against Billy Joe against I'll tell you something now. Um, I'll get a bit of needle in that, you know. I don't think that's going to be an easy fight for Billy Joe. Because, let's be honest, Martin Murray has clearly gone, this is my absolute last roll of the dice. Agreed? Yeah, no, he has. He has. Been. So. He has. I'm telling you now, if he loses, he will retire. That's what I believe. So when you've got that mentality, you put absolutely everything, and they've locked themselves away. I notice these things. He ain't been posting on social media. Right? We've been trying to get into film with him. It's taken us ages. Are you talking about Mike Murray? Yes. Yeah. We managed to get in and just do a bit. He's gone total lockdown for this camp. That means training like a man possessed, gonna give it everything. And by the way, I'll say this. If I'm Billy, if I'm Martin Murray's promoter, and I'm selling you my man's chances of winning the fight, I'm saying this. Show me a good performance from Billy Joe Saunders at 168. He won the, he won the championship in an, an okay performance. He was poor in his first defense against LA. So the pressure's on Billy Joe. I've said to Billy Joe, you gotta look sensational here. Because you want to call out Canelo or the winner of Canelo against Callum Smith or Triple G, you've got to put on a, sh a clinic, mate. And you've got to look really good. So he, he wants to do that, and I believe he's going to try and do that. But I just think it's going to be a really good fight. Behind closed doors, mate, anything can happen. And Martin Murray's got a chance of, of becoming world champion next week. He ain't going to roll over. Really good fight with James Tennyson and Josh O'Reilly. WBA eliminator for the world title, lightweight. Josh O'Reilly, Canadian, I think he's like 17-0. Big fight for Tennyson. 
for me, Tennyson is one of the most exciting fighters in the world, pound for pound. Honestly. Punch is so fucking hard. Okay. Cheers. Everyone How, long How long was that? Was it over an hour? Over an hour, mate. Oh, no. I'm sorry, guys. Right. I just get lost in, you know, yeah. I get, get lost with you. Eddie Hearn, thank you very much to Eiffel TV. We will see you next week in the bubble. Will do. Cheers, people. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt.